The Informed Fitness Podcast with Adam Zickerman and co-host Mike Rogers is a presentation of Informed Fitness Studios, a small family of personal training facilities specializing in safe, efficient, high-intensity strength training. On our bi-monthly podcast, Adam and Mike discuss the latest findings in the areas of exercise, nutrition, and recovery with leading experts and scientists. We aim to debunk the popular misconceptions and the urban myths that are so prevalent in the fields of health and fitness, and to replace those sacred cows with scientific-based, up-to-the-minute information on a variety of subjects. We'll cover exercise protocols and techniques, nutrition, sleep, recovery, the role of genetics in the response to exercise, and much more. For this episode, Adam welcomes his mentor, Robert Francis, exercise historian, spinal rehabilitation specialist, machine designer, master exercise instructor, and instructor at Inform Fitness. On the first of a series of episodes, Adam and Robert will delve into the misunderstood and controversial topic of muscle soreness. I can remember a day in the 11th grade when I couldn't walk up the stairs in school. And I got in a lot of trouble because I missed a couple of classes. I've, I'd never had soreness like that again. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is a very special episode for me because I'm here with Robert Francis. Robert Francis and I go back over 20 years He's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons, one of maybe five people, I can probably say, that got me into this business. I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for Robert and a handful of other people. Ken Hutchins, Ken Leisner, Rob Sereno, Robert Francis, Arthur Jones, of course. Truth be told, I wouldn't have met Robert Francis if it wasn't for Big Drew Israel. So... Robert now works with Inform Fitness. So to have my mentor working with me is uh, really special. And it's one of the more special aspects of my career, to be honest with you, being able to work side by side with this guy in my Port Washington location. He is a font of information. He has been at this business. He has been doing this as an exercise instructor since 1981. And uh, just to give you an idea, I've been doing this for 23 years, and I started in 97. <laughs> all right he's a real pro he knows everything about the iron game weight training he is he has special interest in bodybuilding the strong men competitions of old all the scottish games and all those crazy strong man competitions he knows about the original dumbbells and all the pioneers in the 1800s about this he just is a true true historian when it comes to exercise and he's probably trained thousands and thousands of people. Of course, he's certified as an instructor. He has a degree in exercise science. He's also certified as a MedEx testing and rehabilitation technician. And that's a special designation because those MedEx testing machines are really special and very technical. And uh, you have to know what you're doing. He's using a rehab setting for a long time as well. So today we're going to talk about I mean, first of all, I can talk to him about a million subjects, and we're going to do a whole series of these with him. I don't know why I haven't done this before, but today's topic is going to be on muscle soreness. Muscle soreness is a bit of an enigma. We all have our impressions of it, and there's a lot of 
misunderstanding about muscle soreness. So we're going to get into that for the next 20 minutes or so, maybe a half an hour. I might run a little bit over. He's a little long-winded, so forgive him. But he's so, so informative. <laughs> so we're going to give him a little, he's my mentor, so I got to give him a little little leeway. So welcome, Robert Francis. Hi. Well, thank you, Adam. That is very, <laughs> very generous of you. I have got to do more of these. In fact, I'd like to listen to you a lot longer. <laughs> Especially when I compliment you like that. Oh, that was That's great. That's where it ends, though. That That's was, that was very, uh, very short. So now i got to earn my money. No more ass kissing. So muscle soreness, Robert. We're going to get deep into that. But before we go into exactly what exercise-induced muscle soreness is, you've been at this a long time, as I just mentioned. So why don't you share your experiences since 1981 on muscle soreness? Well, I have a fairly long and very intimate relationship with muscle soreness. <laughs> and I can remember the day after the first workout I took, my coach who gave me my workout program asked me about, are you sore? And I remember saying, no, I didn't seem to feel sore. I, maybe I didn't know what I was looking for, but I told him, no, I wasn't sore. And he had a look on his face like, well, uh, you're going to have to get better at this. You know, we're going to have to get more serious if uh, if you're going to do anything with this. And so over the years, I got very, very good. And I focused on trying to do the things that would make me sore. I looked for the hardest exercises, did them the hardest way I could find, and uh, got very good at getting very sore. In the 1970s, late 70s, and early 80s, negative training was a form of Nautilus exercise uh, protocol that was becoming very popular. And it was a means of exercising that would get people very, very strong very, very quickly. So Robert, before you move on, just explain negative only training real fast. All right. There, there are three levels of force that your muscles uh, are capable of producing. When you're raising a weight, that is what we call the uh, positive stroke. When you're lowering the weight, that's what we call the negative stroke. When you're holding a weight and the muscle's length doesn't change, we call that the static or the isometric uh, um, hold. Right. All right. So in the late 70s and the, uh, and the early 80s, training the negative or the lowering phase of a uh, given exercise had been given a great deal of priority and uh, it had been explored by Nautilus uh, engineers and technicians. And uh, our attempt was to exploit the negative to wring out a great deal of strength with very, very little work. And what we did was we would know what a person was capable of lifting, let's say their body weight of 200 pounds in a, let's say a chin up or a dip. And, uh, we would add to that an extra 40%. So we would give additional to the 200 pound body weight, a weight stack around the belt of maybe as much as, uh, 80 pounds. And we would train a person in the lowering phase now, a person would get a great deal stronger by just lowering the weight. Of course, the resistance would not be something that somebody could lift. One thing we noticed and learned is that it would cause a great deal of soreness. 
really, really shattering soreness. And sometimes it would last more than a week, 10 days, sometimes 12 days. But in doing these negative protocols, a lot of times we would have two people, for example, on a bench press on each end of the bar, and we would raise a heavier than uh, normal bar so that the person doing the bench press could have the luxury of lowering a much heavier than normal load. And they would do only the negative work, only the lowering phase. Now, one thing that would don't happen- try, Don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> Well, you need you need two. These are the muscle head days when you had these two monsters on both sides of the barbell hoisting up this weight, and you have to pray that this weight doesn't come crashing down on your throat. And, and you needed two very close friends and two very willing accomplices, and they would not last very long because what you would realize is that when it came your turn to exercise to do your negative work, the other two guys are already too tired out. <laughs> Half of them are too tired from doing the positive only by raising the weight. Yeah, you have, to, uh, you have to draw straws. But guy who draws the straw last is the one that has to go last. Exactly. Last. Exactly. Well, we would get horrible muscle soreness from this. And, of course, we, we enjoyed it because we made the association between shattering muscle soreness and tremendous growth. We'd also not be able to exercise for a week or 10 days because we'd have to wait until the soreness cleared. Keep in mind, both the guys doing the lifting, the positive only, and the negative only all got sore. So even if you weren't doing the negative only, if you were doing just the positive, lifting the weight for the uh, trainee, you still got sore. Nothing close to what the, the trainee doing the negative work but you still got sore. By 1989, at the MedEx headquarters, or what became the MedEx headquarters, the old skunk works of Nautilus, where they did their prototyping and, and their um, engineering, at their headquarters in Ocala, Arthur placed me in a cervical rotation machine, and this machine had no weight stack. It was a precursor for a Nautilus rotary neck machine. It was a left, uh, a left to right rotational movement that had stops every seven to 12 degrees. And it would measure your strength at each of several stops through an entire range of motion. It was a 160 degrees range. They would measure strength at various stops through the range. So every 12 degrees, just about, you would stop against a bumper. You would attempt to turn in the contrary direction as hard as you could against a strain gauge that would measure the force that you were able to put out. You did this at each of several stops in the range. First, right to left. Then, repeating it, going left to right so that you would equally test muscles on both sides of the neck. Now, this was an isometric only test. So there was no lifting and there was no lowering of any resistance. You're just pushing against basically an immovable object. That's right. A strain gauge that would, although it would measure your, the force output like a scale, nothing on the machine would move. So you'd push as hard as you possibly could. And they were contractions that were nine seconds, three seconds to slowly build up the force, 
push as hard as you can for three seconds, holding the force, and then slowly withdrawing the force over another three seconds in order not to produce an injury. Again, shattering soreness, in part because these muscles aren't used to being exercised in that direction or in any direction, really, uh, for the most part. But those muscles became very sore doing just the isometric work. All right, Robert, there are certain things that got you very sore, isometric, negative only. These are things that get you very sore. So then explain then, uh, what is muscle soreness? Okay, the muscle soreness that we're talking about is to be distinguished from the muscle ache that occurs during exercise. We are talking about the muscle soreness after an intense exercise, and uh, the literature calls it DOMS, or delayed onset muscle soreness. And this is the kind of muscle soreness that starts to set in eight or even as long as 48 hours after exercise. It can last three, four days, can last even up to a week. What happens is it, it manifests itself as a tenderness, a tightness, kind of an achy pain. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's very, very deep, and sometimes it's just very, very subtle. But it sets in much later after exercise. Okay, so what's the current thinking with, with muscle soreness or DOMS? All right, like you said at the beginning, that, that word you used is a word that's used a lot, and that is enigmatic, that it's an enigma. But the research tends to focus and has tended to focus, for, and there's research on this since the 60s, mainly on the, the uh, negative, the lowering phase of the contraction, lowering a load, as I explained in uh, the way we did negative training. But there are three main theories, and uh, because it's so muddled, I think it's probably a good idea. In my, in my mind, I just combine all the three theories into one because I think that they all explain it reasonably well. One is that the contraction intensity causes muscle damage, and it manifests itself as microtrauma. The damage to the muscle membrane the uh, uh, muscle cells, as they slide against one another, it causes a, a certain kind of damage. The uh, muscle membrane is called a sarcolemma. And what ends up happening is that the muscle damage increases the amount of calcium concentration. The calcium sets off a cascade where certain enzymes come in and start to degrade the jacket, so to speak, of the muscle cells. The uh, science people call that autophagy. And it literally means the muscle is eating itself. The, the third theory is that the damage to the muscles attracts specific white blood cells. These cells release prostaglandins, and that's what leaves the neurons, or that's what leaves the nerves, nerve endings, much more uh, sensitive to stimulus. Stimulus to touch or to stretch or uh, uh, certain movements that leaves the muscle very, very tender. Uh, the end result is that the body has to self-repair itself, and the the restoration process is what takes you know uh, four, five, five days, sometimes a week. When the muscle soreness sets in, what usually happens is uh, you have a, a significantly loss of strength and power, a loss of range of motion because the stretching the muscle too much causes tenderness. And contracting the muscle becomes irritating. There's less impact resistance, and you also have a greatly reduced 
uh, sensation of your accuracy of performing work in uh, coaches that have people uh, train the fir first day of practice. They come in the second day of practice and they think, wow, you know, they're, they're all sore, but they start the practice and you can be fooled into thinking that you're doing much better the second day when your, your performance is horribly worse. You, you do have a, a warped uh, perception of the work that you're able to do. Also, the current thinking is that the DOMS or the delayed onset muscle soreness is not essential to uh, strength improvements or muscular development. It's not? That's the current thinking, the current uh, sports medicine thinking. Is what? That you don't need soreness? Yes, that is the current thinking. Do you agree with it? No. Do you th think soreness is important? Well, you think uh, you should be getting sore after every workout? I think that it may not be essential. I think that to some degree, if, if, if I go back to the uh, cervical rotation test, I had an intensity of work that had not been uh, experienced before. And that created a very sharp response. So the stimulus elicited something different, that something certainly changed and something certainly turned. In my opinion, when the stimulus does induce the muscle soreness, I think that, that the response is greater. So when I work out regularly, or a lot, when a lot of people work out regularly, they get sore at the beginning because, like you said, they're not used to it yet. It's a new stimulus for them. But then eventually people doing the same exercises don't get as sore anymore. Are you saying they're either not working out hard enough going forward, the stimulus wasn't enough, or maybe they needed to wait longer? Because I also noticed that I get sore if I, if I wait a couple of weeks before my next workout, then I'll get sore again. Well, that could be. In the early days of Nautilus, what we had done is we used to tell people, if you have a great deal of muscle soreness the next day, if you, if you wake up with a great deal of muscle soreness, come back in, we'll help you with it. Of course, we didn't tell them what we were going to do. But what we did was we trained them exactly the same way. And the muscle soreness would abate to a great degree. But modifying the uh, placement of exercises can change the stimulus adequately to produce muscle soreness nearly every time. So that's what you're suggesting? You're suggesting a lot of variability to create soreness on not the basis? Not necessarily, because the, the thinking with most trainers, the most popular thinking is to change the routine all the time, to keep the muscles, in quotes, guessing. But what that does by changing the exercises and, and switching everything off causes what's in uh, Nautilus speak, we always referred to as the motor learning mirage. What you're getting is you're getting a great deal of muscle soreness every single time. And that's only because your body is so much trying to do the motor learning to learn the exercise because it's not good at it yet. The thing is to do the same exercises and elicit the muscle soreness. You definitely don't get the same muscle soreness with regular training, with regular clockwork, every single week training that you get after a layoff of a month or six or seven weeks. But some muscle soreness is, in my opinion, is an indication that you've turned a key. And there are other ways to do it than by changing the exercises. How? change the order of the exercise. You give priority to the exercises that came at the end of your session and you place them at the beginning of the session. 
And that's enough to create soreness? Sometimes. I mean, but, well, this is this is the enigma. I mean, just by changing the order, you're getting more sore. And in your opinion, because you got a little sore because you changed the order, you got a better stimulus, and therefore your muscle is going to continue to get stronger. Otherwise, if you're not getting sore from workout to workout. Now, I know it's not the debilitating soreness that you're talking about from the negative-only training back in the 80s, but you're talking about some degree of soreness is an indication of, of, of a workout that was stimulus enough for progress. That's my opinion. And just changing the order is enough to, to well, just all, doesn't make sense to me well, why all, all of a sudden now, because you change the order, you get a little more sore. Well, and therefore often you're, because you're when overhead press comes at the end of the exercise, every time the overhead press is coping with a full body fatigue that it doesn't have if you started with it. When an exercise becomes stale or what they call a plateau, you give it priority. Sometimes priority means you leave it out. Sometimes the priority means you change the, you, you change the order, you change what came before it. And that causes the soreness. But why? why it, well, is, well, it can. It, so it's more and like, sometimes it also depends on the exercise that came before it. That makes sense, but it surprises me that that's all you need to do to make it No, sore. it's not all you need to do. Uh, there are inroad techniques that you can use. Changing the order doesn't always mean taking something from the end and putting it at the beginning. Sometimes changing the order means instead of training your triceps right after chest, put the triceps right before the chest mm -hmm. and then deny the chest any help from the triceps. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the inroad technique that you have to do. And, and I use that fairly often. Triceps up front. When you deny... Leg extension before leg press, which is usually done the other way around. Of, well, you don't like that. You're, you're shaking your head. Well... See, this is what I... It, my whole in, life in, I've been in my, in my opinion, I have never had... And I don't do this. I do, I do knee extension or leg press. I don't do them both. Well, what it, if you're trying to get the quad sore? Well, and they're not getting sore just from the leg press. Well, there are still uh, techniques that you can use. You can use there, but well, just to get them sore. Oh, yeah, that 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 will do it. That will do it. But that may Isn't also that the point. I mean, that, that's that the might, indicator. I well, mean, it might also. You, be, uh, let me let me back up for a second, just to make sure we understand the premise here. In your opinion, you need to have some degree of soreness after each workout to know that your workout is being effective. Well, yes, to some degree, I think. You need to have some soreness. I, th I think it's an indication of a switch. I think if you don't have the muscle soreness, you may be exercising too often. So then I say to you, okay, great. Then let's, every once in a while, why don't we do leg extension or, or I know you're correcting me already in your brain, knee extension, excuse me. Let's do knee extension before we go into leg press. And you say to me, eh. I'm like, wait a second, you just told me that, change things up to make it sore and now you're saying you're not really fond of that idea well you can make the knee extension harder you can make the leg press harder and you can change their order altogether so depending on what comes before it but there are there okay. are still other why don't you like doing knee extension before before leg press what's your problem with that well i i think it's a lot to recover from uh -huh. and you know I'm, i probably have a bias in favor of my own experience i don't i, I can't recover from both of them. i can't recover from doing chest and and shoulders in the same session i i so i i don't do that but 
I was thinking in a, in a different direction with knee extension and leg press. And the reason I'm thinking in a different direction is because I've done it tons. I've done it a lot, you know, especially early on. I don't do it anymore, but I've never noticed whether I do knee extension first or leg press first. I have never noticed any change in the strength of either one. Neither one, to me, fatigues the other. So if I can get 300 pounds on a knee extension, fresh, I can do that same 300 pounds after doing leg press to failure. I've never noticed one affecting the other to weaken the other to any great degree. So I'm, I'm thinking in terms of inroads. So you know, from the standpoint of producing soreness, yeah, you will produce soreness by doing that. And uh, maybe it represents overwork. I mean, maybe it didn't for me when I was in my 20s and 30s. But now it's different, and I don't do that much on the thighs. It's it's one or the other. So soreness is good, but not too much soreness. Uh, I think that the, I, uh, that's fair. And we're we're training the body all at once, and we're resting the body all at once. the The onus of change is in resting the body all at once. I have another question, Robert. Why is this? This has been bothering me for a long time. How come? It seems anyway, you might have an answer for this. You always you usually do. But it seems to me that certain muscles get more sore than other muscles. Let me give you an example. I think that the inner thighs get really sore. The calves get really sore. The hamstrings get really sore. Triceps get really sore. On the other side of the coin, Quads, tough to get sore. Lats, tough to get sore. They get sore, don't get me wrong, they get sore, but not to the degree as those other muscles do when you work them out. Biceps, tough to get sore. Do you have any idea why some muscles get more sore than other muscles? Or am I just imagining that? Or is it because, I don't know. I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense because I work out hard and I work out consistently hard. Not just from workout to workout, but I work out consistently hard from exercise to exercise. I don't hold back on my chest press or my bicep curl and go all out on my calf raise or, you know what I mean. So why would, if I'm working out at the same level of intensity for each of my muscle groups, for each of my workouts, why do some muscles get more sore than others? Well, that, that's one of the enigmas. I almost can't get my shoulders sore. I can always get my trapezius sore. A lot of things get my trapezius sore. Yeah, sleeping but, gets my trapezius sore. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and no uh, but my deltoids by themselves, very rare, very rare am I sore in the deltoids. Almost everything else I have so why? can get really sore. There are some people... And there are some people who get very, very little soreness, and you can beat on them, and you can. You, 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 That's the other thing. But they're getting stronger, and and they do. It may be what you can perceive. It may be something so individual, but you know these are these are the enigmas, and that's why there are so many theories. And you know, years ago, it used to be the um, science. You know, science was all all a Twitter when they discovered you know lactic acid and the lactic acid became the answer to almost everything in muscle physiology and as we learn now as we know now lactic acid has really very little to do with a lot of the phenomenon that happens in the muscle from the including muscle soreness including muscle soreness 
So it's not lactic acid. And then you no, have massage therapy. I love when massage therapists say they have to uh, massage out the lactic acid. That well, that's what the, that's what massage does. Well, there of. there is some time. Well, you want to talk about enigmas? Massage is something that obeys no biological principles, and it obviously works. It obviously changes things. It obviously creates organic change to the body. And nobody knows what it is. It used to be a blood flow. Is nobody nobody's suffering from low blood flow? If you have bad blood flow in your feet, the the, the foot dies and falls off. It's not about blood flow. It's not. Maybe it's. I've heard people say it's about moving lymph around. Maybe that. Maybe it is. I don't know. But there's scarcely any way to test it. I wouldn't know what instrument to use to test it. I mean, you know, a toaster. Who who knows what you would have to use to to test these things? But that's another enigma. All right. So with all these enigmas, with all these unknowns, and how are you so sure or confident? that we need to get sore from workout to workout to some degree. And why do you tell the client that you can't get sore, yet they're getting stronger? Doesn't, I mean, like Richard Feynman, the physicist said, if there's an exception in science, if there's an exception to the rule, the rule is wrong. So your rule is soreness is important for progression, yet there are people that get stronger and progress without soreness. Well, there was somebody else I knew who used to say the exception proves the rule. Proves the rule, and, and so how does how does somebody who doesn't get sore yet progresses prove the rule that soreness is important? Well, if we're talking about a maximal exercise effect from a minimal amount of stimulation, I think that muscle soreness is a good indicator, but not the only one. It's a indicator, so you'd call it a marker. Hmm. It's kind of like the marker of uh, I don't know high cholesterol, but there are no other markers, so. High cholesterol can be a marker for heart disease, but doesn't necessarily have to be one. Uh, so as an analogy, so you're saying that's fair. that soreness is a marker for progression and 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 necessary for progression, but not necessarily the only marker. Uh, that's fair. So what do you say to your client that's not getting sore? Because I get that. I, you know, I get that all the time. You know what I say? I say, well, soreness is an enigma, and uh, you know, as long as you're progressing, you know, you're one of those people that don't get sore. But should I always be trying to get them sore by, you know, you made me think about changing workout just to get somebody sore. Well, I thought of that before. Well, when I say change in workout, just, you know, not going crazy and doing all these crazy, you know, plyometric circus tricks to get people sore. But, well, that'll get but, you sore from a, a different standpoint. That's macro trauma. Okay. It manifests itself. It also includes micro trauma. What I'm talking about is. Well, what we do doesn't produce generally a great deal of soreness. It's not like negative training, which is safe when it's done well, but it's not it's not usually done safely. What we do doesn't produce enormous muscle soreness, mainly because there isn't any impact. There is very little artifact from acceleration, and there are no sudden stops and no sudden starts. And so you eliminate a lot of the sources of uh, macro trauma. And that's not good? Macro trauma is not. But you're going to have micro trauma from sliding filaments against one another with very hard contractions. Now, how hard do people contract their muscles? We've got a knee extension inside that is a full range knee extension. Most knee extensions aren't. Nearly every single person I put in that machine who's got experience here does not extend the knee completely. That machine is made to be used for a full range, 
right up to zero degrees. It's a 126 degrees range. It's made to go from whatever the stretch is. And most people can make 126 degrees. Almost everybody can make 110. And it's made to be used to be pulled into zero degrees. That's with the knee locked and straightened against a perpendicular resistance. And what's the point? The point is that are people really contracting their muscles adequately? Ah. It's the intensity of muscular contraction that causes the microtrauma. So for the clients that aren't getting to full extension, you're saying lower the weight and get into full extension. So even with lower weight, but full extension, is you'll probably get sore versus not going into full contraction. Is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And other knee extensions that haven't been modified the way ours is modified, it is impossible to get into that fully contracted position. Now, on our machines, on our knee extension machines, staying with that for a second, I might be digressing a little bit, but so what? Our machines get lighter at the top, so the strength curve... Of the, Some the, of them do. Ours do. The informed fitness, our, our knee extension machines get lighter as you go into full extension. That's because the quadriceps is much weaker in that full position. That So therefore, the machine gets lighter, and it doesn't put any strain on the joint when you get into that position. So we have a special machine that allows us to do that. Some people can't get into that full position regardless of the fact that it gets lighter. You're saying let's let's lighten the weight, get him into that full extended position because that's what's going to lead to the soreness because now you're getting the muscle into full contraction. But there are some people that feel that it's not good for the knee to go into that full extension and try to avoid it, even with the fall off, uh, weight fall off, resistance fall off as you get to the top end of the extension. So what would you say to people that worry about going into full extension? They're wrong about it and they're ignorant about exercise. They're ignorant about... Uh, about the mechanics. They're ignorant in part because they don't know any other engineering. They only, they've only seen or they only know or they only build the machines that are dangerous in that position. But that's not what we have here. Mm-hmm. We have a machine that tracks the muscle and joint function. Okay, so if, we'll, if right. the knee can straighten, it's made to straighten. And if it straightens because the muscles are fully contracted, or are at their fullest point of contraction, they can be loaded in that position. Now, they can't be loaded with the 100 pounds that you start with, but it can take the seven where the resistance falls away. But the thing is that most equipment manufacturers don't make any distinction between weight and resistance. They know weight. They don't understand resistance. Yes, resistance is a function of weight. So when you're lifting a weight, the weight changes through the range of motion because of levers and, and, and uh, biomechanics. So is that what you're referring to? That's, that's part of it. What's the other part? Well, the other part is the physiology. If the engineering is in accordance with the function of the muscles and the function of the joints, the joints too. Rather than trying to make the muscle and joint system match a machine that was manufactured, maybe haphazardly or maybe with other intentions. Yeah, machines get a bad rap for a good reason. Um, and some, unfortunately, we get lumped into that same category because we have machines, but our machines have been altered to, to change those problems of commercial equipment oh that'll 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 be another podcast yes we can do another podcast on that 
All right, getting back to soreness. Uh, so full contraction of the muscle. So getting back to this knee extension that we assume has the right strength curves in our place anyway. If somebody can't get into full extension, lower the weight, allowing them to get into full extension. And that is what is more important. Sometimes it's lowering the weight and sometimes it's proper teaching. Sometimes it has to do with having the person learn the exercise. Most people don't learn the exercise correctly. There are handles on that machine that have to be used. If you don't use those handles, what will happen out of the 72 degrees range, you've got a perfect fulcrum where the leg becomes a lever. The leg becomes a seesaw and the resistance on the ankle starts picking the hip up. If you don't pull your hips down into the seat, and this is where the trainee has to be a part of has to be a part of the whole system. If that hip comes up, the knee's never going to extend. It'll never straighten. It will never ever straighten because that resistance is going to be forever picking the hip up, preventing the knee from extending. The hips have to be fixed. The handles have to be taught to the trainee how to use the handles to pull the hips down into the seat. The seat belt barely helps past the second repetition. First two repetitions shouldn't complete either because you won't get very much fatigue at all if you if you complete the first two repetitions. Because it gets so light at the top. Well, because it falls away. By the third repetition, that ought to be your first full range repetition because what you've got is you've got adequate fatigue for the strength curve in the machine to match the strength curve of the muscles that have been pre-fatigued through the shorter ranges. Okay. So we're getting into weeds about all this cool equipment, but yeah, we're getting we, off we, the topic. We could do two of these just on knee extension. Yeah. But again, I want to stay to the point, which is part of getting sore. If you're not finding yourself getting sore, one of the reasons you might not be getting sore is because you're not going into full range exercise. You're not doing the full range of the you may exercise. Not be you may, may not be achieving full range, and there, there, there may be some, there may be more than one or two reasons for that. But people get sore through partial range exercise also. You know, we were using the quadriceps as an example, but, you know, all of those things are uh, specific to quadriceps. I have another question now, Rob. I know. Muscle soreness is important. It's a great indicator of progression in exercise and an adequate workout. Should you be trying to relieve yourself of that soreness? And if you feel it's okay to relieve yourself of that soreness, how would you go about doing it? But first, it, can you relieve yourself of so, that soreness? All right. No, it's not important or essential to reduce the muscle soreness. Just let it run its course. But certain things can mitigate and make it not so intense. One, that's real important is sleep, that you enter your exercise session well-rested, eight to 10 hours a day, go to sleep long before midnight. Every minute you sleep before midnight is worth about three minutes of sleep after midnight. Hmm. So well-rested entering the exercise session and well-rested the night after the exercise session, which is not usually so much of a problem. The other one is hydration. When I have somebody, a new trainee, one of the things I tell them before they're in the 24 hours before they come in to drink a gallon of water, I usually say, okay, I have a, I have a weird request for you. Could you drink a gallon of ice cold water if you can in the 24 hours before we meet? And they say, oh, I can't drink that much water. I say, well, 
try to come close. Just drink an, an, a lot of water before exercise and after exercise, a large amount of water and plenty of water in between. I just never stop anybody from drinking water in between. Sometimes it's a job to get people to drink water. Another thing that seems to be helpful to some degree, a small degree for at least a few hours are contrast baths. If you turn the shower on at first, hot as you can stand it for as long as you can stand it on your muscles, and then switch over, uh, two, three minutes maybe you could stand, then switch over to as cold as you can stand it for another two, three minutes, and then go back to the hot. The contrast tends to move hydration and nutrition into and out of the muscles and tends to help to reduce the inflammation because a great deal of the muscle soreness is inflammatory. It's an inflammatory response. And also because of the hot and the cold, you've got a constriction and expansion of the blood vessels. And the other thing is uh, to be well-nourished. Nutrition is, of course, a large part of muscle repair in the uh, later days after exercise. You know, once the muscle soreness is mitigated, really the principal repair job is, uh, is nutrition. Fantastic. That's good advice. You know, I don't know if I ever followed any of that. <laughs> well, I'm always hydrated. And I tend to get pretty good sleep. I never thought about the contrast baths to get rid of soreness. I mean, I kind of like being sore anyway, so you never know. Oh, we all love it. I never thought about it. Oh, um, we all love it and live for it. What, what about coaches and trainers who say that you have to change a routine often in order to achieve soreness? They're making the mistake of the uh, motor learning mirage. There have to be 100 triceps exercises. If you keep changing it every single time, you never, you'll remain stale. You may get sore. You may have uh, uh, some soreness, but what ends up happening is all you're doing is you're learning a new exercise every single time. And so all of the responses are just, just like a first. Uh, is that a good thing though? I mean, you're getting sore. Is that the bottom line? I mean, if you're getting sore, you're getting, aren't you just well, ensured that you're getting the, stronger? The, these are the enigmas that we live with. So you don't know. So maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe we should be mixing it up so much, even if it's because of motor learning, as long as we're getting sore. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should be changing the workout a lot and doing all kinds of different workouts. I mean, well, the, the, I mean our with, whole philosophy is not to do that. Uh, Ken Hutchins wrote a whole chapter on it, on the non-variation of exercise, uh, the importance of non-variation yeah, of exercise. A lot of people have Arthur and, and uh, Joe Mullen and uh, L. Darden but it may come about as an adequately different stimulus when you prioritize exercises and rather than allow things to, to remain in the same order. I mean, I, I tend to think of the, like you said, there are a lot of exercises for the triceps. Some are less efficient than others, and some are more, have more strain on the elbows and shoulders than others, so I just avoid those. And stick with the ones that are mechanically, you know, safer for the joint. Well, that's the reason why we use the exercises that we use. Because even though there are hundreds of exercises for the triceps, there's only going to be two or three really, really good ones that fulfill the job without right. without yeah. either causing harm or to the joint. Yeah, you got muscles and joints things under strain or cause a problem elsewhere. And so that's why we have used or we, we've been using 
what so appeared to be the, 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 the very best exercise uh, to get the job done. Why, why bother with something that may not be as efficient as the leg press that we choose to use or as efficient as uh, the, uh, the chest press that we choose to use? Why, why use one that is a completely different kind of a movement? It'll, it may make you sore, but it could also inj- you could also get injured. Well, that's that's for me. That's a determinant. I mean, that's why I'm not trying to vary an exercise a million different ways because a lot of them are just not very biomechanically uh, safe. I've used the the calf press on the multi exerciser pretty much my whole life. I can remember a handful of times that I wasn't sore in my calf. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying about calf muscles. I always get sore during that, no matter I what. Can, I, I can remember a, a day in the in the 11th grade when I couldn't walk up the stairs in school. <laughs> and I got in a lot of trouble because I missed a couple of classes because I I couldn't get myself up. I've, I'd never had soreness like that again. That's funny. I, used I tried. To, I have a dream like that once in a while. I have a recurring dream where I where I can't walk. It's really funny you should say that. You just made me think of that dream. All right, we got to wrap this up because, again, we can talk all day. And we will. We're going to do some more episodes. All right, so what about massage and stretching and the vibration technology out there, as many physical therapists recommend to help reduce muscle soreness? All three of those things reduce muscle soreness for five or ten minutes. They're very, very – it's very temporary relief. Within within five ten minutes, you're just as achy as you were before you engage in the uh, massage vibration. So it's just temporary. So it's, very very temporary. So Moment it's, momentary. So it's just billable hours. Then, in other words, it's just a, <laughs> that's why they do it. Billable hours. I've heard that term. All right, there you have it, folks. Muscle soreness, all the weird things about it, all the enigmas. A mystery about it. I'm not sure what we did today kind of clears up any of those mysteries, but but at least we brought them to light. I tend to agree. Overall, I tend to agree that you should feel your workout, you know, a couple of days later. You should feel like you did something, uh, which is the bottom line. It doesn't have to be a debilitating, crazy soreness where you can't walk up a flight of stairs like Robert just mentioned. You should feel like you worked out. You know, maybe when you get out of a chair, you're feeling in your hamstrings and your glutes or when you're reaching up above your head and you're pulling something down, you feel it for a second. And like, oh, look at that. Yeah, I feel that. It doesn't have to be crazy soreness. But if you're not really feeling your workout and some type of soreness, think about your routine. Talk to us. Ask us. Train with us. And uh, we'll, we'll, work, we'll work with you to try to see if we can play around with your routines to, to, to get you to that level. Robert, thank you very much for spending the time with me. Oh, please. What a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay. And before I forget, it can be very useful to call us up and, and do even a virtual workout with us, even though you're maybe in Australia or where you are in the world. As long as you speak English, <laughs> I could help you. We could help you. And uh, again, you know, lots of times you talk about the biomechanics and doing exercise correctly. What Robert and I were talking about with a knee extension, it might have, some of this might have gone over your head because it gets a little technical and we didn't get into it specifically, but these things matter. So keep that in mind uh, as you work out to, to, to give us a call, even if it's one or two routines, 
It doesn't have to be a regular thing. You can get a lot out of just even working working with us a couple of times, given whatever machines or tools you have available to you. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, and, and uh, we'll see you next time. You can go to informfitness.com, get all the details. We have an email address. It's a podcast at informfitness.com. Thanks for listening. This has been the Inform Fitness Podcast with Adam Zickerman. For over 20 years, Inform Fitness has been providing clients of all ages with customized personal training designed to build strength fast. Visit informfitness.com for testimonials, blogs, and videos on the three pillars, exercise, nutrition, and recovery.